0: In May the 4th, 1970, uh, it was a historical pivotal point. I was in the Corps. I was in boot camp during that day, May the 10th, 1970. But that day changed our whole perspective and what's going on today. Because of what happened that day, the draft ended in 1970. I was, I was about to be drafted, and I didn't want to get drafted because I would have to go into the Army. Have you seen the Army uniforms? Come on, man. If you're in the Army, you know what I'm talking about. They're ugly. So I wanted to have a Marine Corps. So I went in. But something happened that day. It's called the Kent University Shootings. Now, you probably heard this song by Crosby Steel Nashing Young. It says Tin, T-I-N, 10 soldiers, the Nixon coming. We're finally on our own. This summer, I hear the summer. this summer I hear the drumming, four dead in Ohio. It should have been done long ago. Soldiers are cutting us down. What have you seen her lying there on the ground? How can you run when you know? What happened there? What happened in this shooting 50 years ago, 51 years ago? And the reason I'm bringing it up, because this is the editor of the Beacon Journal of Akron, Ohio. They were there on the ground. They had students and journalist students. All the photographs, the famous iconic photographs of that shooting. How many remember that shooting? Everybody remember that shooting? And all the iconic shootings of there were there in 13 seconds. There was a fusillade, 13 seconds, 61 rounds. This is the National Guard, Americans killing Americans on campus. Unbelievable. They had life rounds. And there were witnesses, the photographers, they were all working for the Akron, Ohio Journal. All of them, they had been following this episode for, for, for weeks. They knew it was fomenting. Something was happening, but they weren't expecting this, what, this tragedy. In 13 seconds, they took pictures of everything. There's the iconic picture that came on Life magazine A young girl, she's 14 years old. Her name is Marianne Vecchio. And she's leaning over the body of one named Jeffrey Miller. And she's looking so distraught in that picture. And that changed everything. The Vietnam War. We stopped believing in our country. We realized the Vietnam War was not what it was supposed to be. We had ill information. We had misinformation. We had propaganda. And so what happened in this shooting... Everybody in Beacon Journal, they were saying, "This is this is this is negligence." The National Guard, the the general, brigadier general, should have had something irresponsible. But the machine started working, and Nixon, his administration, uh, all the National Guard, basically they begin to uh, bring talking points to trying to spin the story, and they were saying that a sniper was shooting. And the Beacon Journal had statistics, they had ballistic records, and they did scientific things. It was not a sharpshooter. There was not a sniper. Well, the kids had uh, guns, and the Beacon Journal said they didn't have any guns. All this to say to you that the Beacon Journal, they were, they were vilified. They were strangled almost politically because they were saying. You little newspaper, you guys don't know squat. But the problem is there were too many witnesses who saw the truth. Eventually, the Beacon Journal was absolved, and they realized they were right all the time. They were vindicated. Not only vindicated, but they got a Pulitzer Prize for their work. Small rinky dink, little uh, newspaper, but they stood their ground. And they wrote books, and they wrote articles, and there were so many, so many stuff that was not real. And I'm telling you, the truth is very, very important. Truth does matter. Robert Giles, he was a young editor of the Beacon Journal. Finally, he wrote the book, and he finally said, this is exactly what happened. The National Guard was at fault. They, they went to court, and the government admitted That it was murder, but nobody nobody paid any crime for it. It's a a horrible situation. And I'm telling you now that it's very important for us to know the truth. And that's my subject this morning to you. Why truth matters. Look at me, look at me. Look at Jeremiah chapter 5 with me. Jeremiah chapter 5. Jeremiah chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. Father, in the name of Jesus, let me be a proclaimer of your truth. Absolute truth. A truth that cannot be altered. A truth that always be a truth in in every circumstance. Absolute truth never changes. It is always the truth. Help us, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Here in chapter 5, Jeremiah bemoans the fact that Judah... There is no truth, there is no justice, there is no righteousness. These elements are absent in the entire nation of Judah. Here God tells the young prophet in verse 1 of chapter 5. Jeremiah, run to and fro throughout the streets of Jerusalem. See now and know and seek in her open places. If you can find a man, if there's anyone who executes judgment, who seeks the truth, and I will pardon the entire city. Though they say as the Lord lives, surely they swear falsely. If you can find one man, that's an exaggeration. That's almost like a hyperbole. That's like, really God? One person? No. The whole nation was living a lie. Now the opposite of truth is not a lie. It's indifference. When people don't know the truth, uh, you're, you're moved by but what you think is true. You see, all of us, all of us have a worldview. All of us. If I was to ask you individually, hey, what do you think is going on in the world right now? You would tell me, this is, this is what's going on. Uh, this, is my, this is what I believe. And, and the reason your way of life is shaped because of the way you were brought up. If you were brought up in a certain culture, if you were brought up in a certain academic circle, your experiences, you, you, you have your own way of life. You have your worldview. Sometimes you ask people, they're not Christians, hey, what do you think about life? Dude, life sucks. That's, that's a fact for them. Man, life is like a female British dog. You Like that, huh? Life is like a vacuum cleaner. It sucks. That's their philosophy. That's their their philosophical look at life based. I put it down here. A worldview is a collection of attitudes, values, stories, and expectations about the world around us, which inform our very thoughts and action. Everyone has a worldview. Whether or not people realize it, everyone has certain presuppositions and biases that affect the way they view all of life and reality. Before I became a Christian, I was only—I was 24 years old. And forgive me if I have to, if, if I kick a lot in my military experience. You see, that's an alteration for me. If you done time and you went to—if you went to the glass house for over a year, that's, that will—that will alter the way you believe. If you were in gangs before, that alters the way you believe. If your parents divorced when you were like a young kid. It will affect you. Amen? Yes or no? It alters you. It changes you. You have a death in the family. Let's say your father, your mama dies when you're 10 years old. You'll be affected for the rest of your life. You agree with me? Your parents divorced. Every, it alters you. So three years of my life were altered. So when I came out, I had this attitude. Look at man. I've done my time. I gave three years of my life. No one tells me what to do. The government lied to me. I can't even get a job. I'm a veteran. I'm an American citizen by choice. Some of you guys were born American. America. You were born at the hospital. <laughs> American citizen. Not me. I earned it. I chose it. I became an American citizen by choice. I, I, I did my little American flag made in Taiwan, and I American citizen by choice. But I couldn't get a job. So emptiness, my, my way of life, my view of life is like, you know what? I have to watch for myself. I have to take care of number one. And my language was crude and my attitude was just a, uh, a disposition of anger. And I felt that the man's after me. The man, you know the man? The man who owns the store. And this attitude that I had, I was blaming everybody and everything. My father, the community, my school. I, I blame my upbringing. I, I, I blame my action, I blame it on everybody. That was my, my life view. And lo and behold, I come to Jesus. Wow. Everything's altered. Everything's altered. Everything's changed. You see, turn with me to Isaiah. That's the only two scriptures that I will take you to. Isaiah. A little bit to your left of Jeremiah. In verse in chapter fifty nine, the whole nation, the whole nation, is twisted. From the king, the monarchy, in parliament, the judges, um, the prophets, the priests, the educators, the entire infrastructure, every tier, every echelon of that society was backwards, the whole nation. And so here Isaiah says in verse 1, bear with me. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that I cannot save, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from God and your sins have hidden his face from you. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken what? Lies. Your tongue has muttered perversity. And here's the problem. No one calls for justice. Nor does any plead for truth. They trust in empty words and speak lies. They conceive evil and bring forth iniquity. They hatch vipers' eggs and weave the spider's web who eats of their eggs dies. And from that which is crushed, a viper breaks out. Their webs will not become garments, nor will they cover themselves with their works. Why? Their works are works of iniquity, and the acts of violence is in their hand. They, they, their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction are in their path. The way of peace they have not known, and there is no justice in their ways. They have made themselves crooked paths. Whoever takes that way shall not know peace. Therefore... Justice is far from us, nor does righteousness overtake us. We look for light, but there is darkness. We look for brightness, but we walk in blackness. We grope for the wall like blind people, and we grow up as if we had no eyes. We stumble at noonday as it's at its twilight. We are as dead men in desolate places. We growl like bears and moan sadly like doves. We look for justice, but there's none. We look for salvation, but it's far from us. Why? For our transgressions are multiplied before you, Lord, and our sins testify against us, for our transgressions are with us. And as for our iniquities, we know them. In transgression and lying against the Lord and departing from our God, we speak oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from, from the heart words of falsehood. Justice is turned back, and righteousness stands far off, for truth is falling in the street, and equity cannot enter. So truth fails. When in a society, when justice, when righteousness and truth departs from society, wait for a chaotic society. See, we're different, I hope and pray. Because we had a change of mind. We had a transformation. We have a filter now. When I became a Christian, every... Before I became a Christian, every other word in my language was a French fry word. French this. French fry that. French fry your mama. You understand what I'm saying, right? Every other word. People say, what's your language? French fry. Knucklehead. Idiot. Not that I was macho, man. I just was ignorant. I was stupefied. I was a drunkard. I was doing drugs. My life was just called meandering in life. There was no way, there was nothing in the future for me. Nothing. The moment Jesus came into my life, a judicial reasoning came about in my head. Truth had come in here. Justice and fairness and equity had entered my heart. Discretion and prudence now was part of my life. Now, when I was about to steal this guitar back in the days, I was <laughs> a the guitar. I don't care who it belongs to. You know what? I can sell this. But I became a Christian. And then I thought, no, man, it belongs to somebody. Where did that thought come from? <laughs> I'm gonna hurt somebody. Where did that come from? I didn't care before. I don't care if it belonged to you, to you, I don't care. But now something happened. Every time I was gonna say French fry, I was like, hey, you know what? Just... And I was tough. What happened? Truth came and recited in my heart. Truth guides us. There is divine truth. This is what truth in Webster says. Webster's Dictionary has many, many definitions. Fidelity, constancy, factual, true quality, true statement, obvious fact, something generally believed, honesty, conformity, loyalty, and accuracy. That's what Webster says. But the Bible tells us in the beginning, in the Old Testament, that our God is a God of truth. Let me quote the scripture. There's several of them. But in Deuteronomy 32 verse 4 says, the Lord, he is the rock. His work is perfect for all his ways are justice, a God of truth, and without injustice, righteousness, and upright is he. In Psalm 31:5, into your hand, Lord, I commit my spirit you have redeemed me, O Lord God of truth. And there are more scriptures. I just gave you two. Or well, here comes the New Testament. Jesus comes. And the Bible says that Jesus, quote, is saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And you shall know this truth, and that truth shall make you free. Now, stop for a moment. What is the opposite of Free. What is it? Bondage. Bondage. In prison. Manipulated. When we don't know the truth, you think this is the truth, and this is the truth, and this is the truth. Well, I believe that, you know, that we, because, you know, I was raised in the hood, uh, it, has, it has no value. And Jesus comes in, he says, Listen, uh, the gospel, my life, Jesus said, I am the truth. And if I tell you that truth, that truth can come in you and you will be set free, liberated, emancipated. He says, but because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell you the truth, why do you not believe me? So there we saw in the Old Testament that the Father God is the God of truth. Amen. Then Jesus comes in, the second person of Trinity, and he says, I am the truth. And he gives the truth. Now, Jesus in the upper room, he's about to leave. He's going to be crucified. So he tells the disciples, I'm leaving. And they're all getting bummed down. He says, let let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. He says, I will not leave you as orphans, but I got to go prepare a place for you. I will not leave you comfortless. So what is he going to do? He says this, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father... And he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. And he's called the spirit of truth. truth. So friends, here you have the Trinity. God the Father, the God of truth. Jesus, he is the truth. And now you have the spirit of truth. So when the spirit of truth comes upon you, here you read the operation, the office, the supernatural phenomena of what the Holy Spirit us in your life you see jeremiah the prophet he was given a vision a prophecy of a new covenant it's mentioned in jeremiah chapter 31 and this new covenant he emphasizes it it's not like the old covenant that i made with your fathers in the wilderness that's called the mosaic covenant it was was conditional if you do this i do that in the new covenant in Jesus Christ is unconditional. Unconditional. He loves you even if you don't love Him. That's the love of God. So, Jesus, quoting from Jeremiah chapter 31, the features there in Jeremiah 31, he says, He said, The day will come when I will make a new covenant with the nation of Israel. He says, You don't need anyone to teach you the word, for you will know it. From the least to the highest will know. He says, the Holy Spirit will be upon you and inside of you. When Jesus broke that bread, he says, this is the blood of the new, a new covenant. He was inaugurating this is the symbol. This is my blood of the new covenant for the forgiveness of your sins. He told us how it would work. He said this. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because they can't see him. They don't know him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And when a helper comes, whom I'll send to you from the Father, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. So, spirit of truth. So, you, you and I, if you're a Christian, we have, I hate to be disrespectful, but we have a meter here. It's called a Bravo Sierra meter. Yeah. Understand what I'm saying, Bravo Sierra? I think. We have a meter now. God lives inside of us. And when we hear something that, 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 that it doesn't make any sense, uh, the meter tells us, Bravo, Sierra, Bravo, Sierra, Bravo, Sierra, Bravo, Sierra. <laughs> I'm not trying to be disrespectful. <coughs> Let's call it bologna. It sounds great, a bologna. It's a bologna meter. You hear it. Whether it comes from a president or congressman, It comes from a general. It comes from someone in office. You ask someone that you respect. And and you realize they're not telling the truth. Something's happening. How do you know? I, I, I have the spirit of the living truth in me. I must be persuaded by God. I must be persuaded. I must be convinced that this is of God. The Bible says, test all things. Test them all. You just can't believe anybody that's telling you. I tell the people at our congregation, don't, don't, don't trust me. Don't believe me. Just bring your Bible, and we'll go with the Bible. But don't trust me. Someone told me, you're an influencer. You better watch what you're saying. Shh, if I'm bigger than God, you have a problem. If I'm bigger than God, you have a problem. You're following me. Don't follow me. I'll, don't follow me. And so the truth. Now, how do people get the truth? What are the mediums of dissemination in our culture and society. What do people get? Where is the fountain of information that changes culture? What do you think it does? What kind, what kind of medium? I'll give you a hint. Right? Social media. Your kids are in social media. They're like this all the time. You walk around, and they walk around with fingers like this. I say, why do you have your hand like this? What? I don't know. This is why. Hey, how you doing, man? Hey, what's happening? (laughs) There are mediums. You get it from the media, cable news, politics, celebrities, gurus, beautiful people, authors, journalists, professors, generals, doctors, philosophers, humanitarian, pastors, environmentalists, talking heads, academic presidents, and so on. But there are main channels of communication. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They have seven. Number one. Education. The academic, they change people's minds. And what the school is teaching today in California, parents, you got to see what they're teaching. You got to see what they're teaching. Are we recording this? Uh, yeah. Check it out for yourself. So you have education. Then you have business. Business is the primary mechanism whereby cultural goods are created and distributed. And then you have the social sector. Then you have the government. Government is the space where society produces policies and legislation that reflect our cultural values. This channel's massive web of social structures can be leveraged to provide security and establish justice. Then you have the media. The media comprises the vehicles through which information, ideas, and cultural goods flow, from publishing to television to the worldwide web and social platforms. This is the media. So if you're watching the news all the time, without having an equilibrium of truth, you're, you're, you're a big problem. Amen. Because they're sensationalized. They sensationalize. I was watching the news for the, uh, a specific purpose. And there were some Americans that were blasted in Afghanistan. And the first thing that comes out on, on the national news, both ABC, CBS, and NBC, the first thing that comes out is the first thing is, you got to get shots. The COVID is all this. Well, wait a minute. We have Americans that just exploded. And it's close to home, by the way. We have, we have five of our boys from Montebello on the ground. And one of them was caught in the explosiveness. Two of his buddies took the, uh, absorbed the, the, the bomb. And other Afghans took the bomb. All he had is a broken jaw, broken cheekbone, broken cranium. But he's going to make it through. Mama comes to our church and it's close to home. My point is, is that there are mediums of of channels that convey to you what is truth. And they influence our way of thinking. They, what to shop, what to buy, what to believe. In, 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 In some stupid ad, they have a hat for bald, bald-headed people. There's a hat with lights inside of them. You ever seen that? Have you seen the commercial? If you put this hat and it has lights, it look like Christmas lights all banked up inside. He says, if you put this hat on, you'll have hair like in two weeks. <laughs> Friends, that's not That's not true. They have this chick with buck tooth, with her gum lines are all jacked up, full of gingivitis. He goes, you can walk in on one day and come out with new teeth in one day. She needs like 20 gallons of penicillin before she gets anything done. My friends, this is exaggerated what we're hearing on the news. What's going on is shaping you. So who is talking to you? Who is influencing you? You see, God's redeeming plan is when when Jesus came, he was more than a proclaimer of truth. He didn't say, I'm telling you the truth. He says, I am the truth. He wasn't telling you, let me tell you the truth. No, no, no. He says, I am the truth, and I am the way, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. You see, true Christian life is lived by people who have truth in them. John 3.21 says, But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done by God. John says, If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So by admitting wrongdoing, people are made free by their knowledge of the truth. Pilate confronts Jesus. He's like a weasel, Pilate, weasel, political weasel. And he starts there judging Jesus. Jesus doesn't answer him for no questions. And Pilate says to him, You don't want to answer me? He says, You know who I am? I have the power to mess with you. And Jesus speaks up, You got no power over me, man. I'm paraphrasing. He didn't say that, but <laughs> you got no power over me. He kept quiet, fulfilling the prophetical utterance of Isaiah. So he was like a sheep led to the slaughter. So Pilate wanted to release him, so he, he was ambivalent. And then he gets a note by his, of his wife named Claudia. The Bible doesn't give us her name, but history tells us that Pilate's wife is named Claudia. Claudia, the Bible said that she had a dream about Jesus, and she says, Don't mess with this man, for I had dreams about him. Don't mess with him. Now he's in a pickle. Now his, wife, his wife's involved. Now <laughs> he says, Hold on, let me see. How about if we exchange a 187 PC? How about if we get a murder? You know, I can elicit pity. So I, I get Barabbas, that ugly dude, with no teeth, come and get him. So Barabbas comes out, like, what, What's happening, man? And Pilate says, Who do you want me to release? Because it was traditional to release one prisoner during Passover. Who do you want me to release? Jesus? He's all beat up, right? Oh, Barabbas, a murderer. And to Pilate's utter dismay and shock, the people said, Barabbas, Barabbas. And Pilate, exhausted, says, why? What evil has this man done? Meaning Jesus. He wanted to release him, but he was a political weasel. He says, if you release this man... We have no king but Caesar, Caesar, meaning he claimed to be a king, and that's a Roman capital punishment. So when he heard that, he went on political shift. Political weasel talk. So he has one more chance to speak with Jesus. One more chance. So the Bible says that he goes behind the curtain, and he asks the question to Jesus, Pilate, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, are you speaking for yourself about this or did others tell you concerning me? Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? Jesus, you say right that I'm a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And Pilate walked away, he goes, ha, what is truth? And walked away from history. Everyone who follows me is of the truth. My friends, Paul told Timothy, the institution of truth. I share that with you. The institution of truth is business, education, social sector, the government, the media, arts and entertainment, Hollywood people, and one more institution. Every institution that I just mentioned, at this point, they they have gone through through a process called wokeism. How many know what I'm talking about, right? All these institutions, Hollywood, The government, the media, the social sector—what I mean, the social sector—Google's against you. Facebook's against. Facebook banned me. They—they always shadow our 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 program. Google, Facebook. um, was the other one? Twitter. Twitter also banned me. Because you say words, and IA takes care of it. You know, artificial um, intelligence. They hear it, It kicks in the word, and they kick you out completely. So all these institutions have already been taken over by wokeism. There's one more institution that they cannot penetrate. What institution do you think that is? The church. Thank you. The church. The church. They don't know how. Because we're moved not by politics, not by race. They're trying to divide us by race, and they've done a good job. Haven't they? What are we experiencing? Racial tension, Puralization. This COVID thing has divided families, has divided churches, has divided pastors. He's like, Are you for it? I don't know. That was fair. Look at us. The last song we sang, all of us were singing. We come from different backgrounds. We have accents, we have different skin colors, but inside, we are people of Jesus. Amen. The truth has set us free. Truth has set us free. So Paul, Paul was told by uh, Timothy, was said, said this. Timothy, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. 1 Timothy 3.15. Let me repeat that again, okay? I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. What is a pillar? A pillar is a structure that supports something on top. What is the ground? The ground is foundation. So truth, the... the um. I just said it. Bear with me. I used to take drugs. (laughs) The absolute truth. And before I came up, I wrote what was absolute truth. Absolute truth is something that is true at all times and in all places. It is something that is always true no matter what the circumstances. It It is a fact that cannot be changed. The absolute truth. You see, the absolute truth is this. For example, there are two genders. Is that the absolute truth? Yes or no? That's an absolute truth. But someone comes and tells me, that's your truth. I believe there's, there's two genders and there's 52 other kinds. You heard that before, right? So are we going to go with this? Or we're going to go with absolute truth. So absolute truth trumps. It wins. So I'm just telling you that as Christians, we are to worship in truth. Serve God in truth. Walk before God in truth. Rejoice in truth. Speak to one another in truth. Meditate upon truth. We are to bind truth around our necks, we are told. This is God's desire. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. We are ambassadors of the truth. 1 Timothy 2.7. For which I was appointed a preacher and apostle. I'm speaking the truth in Christ and not lying. I'm a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and in truth. Corruption of false teachers against those of the truth. They forbid people to marry. And commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received. thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Characteristics of false prophets and false teachers. They are useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth who suppose that godliness is a means of gain from such withdraw yourself. Be diligent to present yourself approved unto God. A worker who does not need to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of God. So you have all these these admonitions of the truth. Listen, tomorrow, tonight, you're going to hear lies emanating from some of these places. And you're going to have to determine, is that a lie? Is that propaganda? Is that misinformation? It will come ill information. You see, information will, will become a thought. And a thought generated in your heart will become factual. There are many people, they' are afraid, and don't, they don't know the facts. They don't understand. They live in fear. They're, they're living in, in a phobic situation all the time. They live in terror. Listen, I just drove 41 miles. Now, I drive like four times a day. I drive 60 miles a day, four days a week. When I get home, when I get home, I put my foot in the ground, get out of the car, and I said, I made it, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You think I'm kidding? I'm not kidding. Because people are driving crazy nowadays. <laughs> I'm serious. People, people are P.O. People are bad, man. And you don't mess around with them. I, I do the hippie Gandhi now. You know what the hippie Gandhi is? It's like I make a mistake. I don't yell, I don't yell and I just. <laughs> and then I do the Gandhi or the Virginia Guadalupe. Nobody can get mad at you. They expect you to flip them off. They they go up to you. Hang on. Just in case, I go, anybody knows what this means? Sorry, Sorry, sign language. I go, oh, man. I go, all right, punk. Because nowadays, man, they go, (laughs) I'm serious. And I'm telling you, is that that life is fragile. It's yesterday. Yesterday, a lady goes from my church, just goes to the ER. Oh, yeah. well, you have a little bit of pneumonia. Oh, yeah. And they got real bad right there. In the... All in one day. All in one day. Bah, 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 bah. I see you. <laughs> Intubation. <laughs> all of a sudden, within six hours, she died. Wait a minute. Just like that? Like that. So you, know, you, you, you may not die of COVID. You may die of gingivitis. You, you eat all that pus in your gum, you die. Seriously. But I'm telling you, don't live in fear. Live by the truth. And that truth will set you free. Amen? Amen. Wow. Rob, check this out, Rob. Wow. God bless me. Wow. In all seriousness, man, Listen. I don't know but maybe there's someone here you were brought in by a good friend whoever brought you here they love you man i'm serious let's say you're not a christian right you came in here and go oh man man weird people they're saying so you guys are holding hands and some people are standing up and doing the kumbaya (laughs) and this is all new to you i i know that's what happened to me when i went to church not only were they raising their hand but they decided to hold hands I like, go, oh, Lord. And not only they held hands, but we went up. Not only our, our arms went up, but they started doing that, that little shaking you know, on one of these movements. Yeah, I'm a homeboy, man. I'm over here at Costa Mesa. Like, oh, Lord, have mercy. Oh. These Christians, man, they're weird, man. But something happened. The truth came into my heart. And for the first time in my life, I told pride, my pride, to go to hell. First time in my life. Pride, you cannot do this to me. You've done me wrong so many years. The Bible tells us to receive the Lord as a little child. A child. Humility. Lord, if you can change me, you can transform me, I want to be transformed. Because I'm living like hell right now. I have no way out. And if you're the way, the truth, and the life. And I will be set free by you, by your truth, and set me free. The good thing about Christianity is never forced upon you. Never. God is gentleman. He said he stands at the door. The door of your heart. He says, if you open it, I'll come in. Meaning you don't have to open it. You're saying, I don't need God. I can do it on my own. I'm the captain of my ship. I'm the master of my fate. I don't need no crutch like all these Christians do. And I'm telling you, it's not a crutch. It's the entire hospital, Jesus Christ. The entire hospital, not a crutch. If he was a crutch, I would need him. But he's the entire hospital. ICU, mental hygiene, it's like everything. He's everything. And so before I leave this podium, if you would like to receive the Lord, whoever you are, I'd like to pray with you right where you're at. But I will ask you in a moment to stand to your feet. And I'll tell you why. We are told by Jesus in the book of Matthew that every manner of sin and transgression can be forgiven. Now think of any sin, transgression, or dastardly deed that you did against God, against your own conscience, against humanity, against your family, against a loved one. Think of any worse thing you can do. Okay? You got it in your head? The Bible says that that sin can be forgiven. But then Jesus brings us a shocking word. He goes, but this is not forgivable. Wow. What is not forgivable? It's called the unpardonable sin. And what does that mean? The rejection and the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Well, I, don't, I, I never blasphemed the Holy Spirit. You see, when the Holy Spirit comes and knocks you at the door of your heart, the Holy Spirit. And he says, this is for you. And the Holy Spirit is knocking your heart. And you're telling the Holy Spirit, I don't need you. That's rejection. And that will not be forgiven. So I plead with any of you that are here, if you have never received the Lord, to do that today. Today, your life can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. By being transformed of your heart, your constitution, and give you the truth. Instead of the lie you've been living all your life. And today that can happen. So let me ask you. If you're here, you would like to receive the Lord, and you would like me to pray with you and for you, would you please stand to your feet, whoever you are? Whoever you are, just stand to your feet, quickly. Anybody, just stand. Are we all good? God bless you, sir. Remain standing, okay? God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Are we good? Are we good? Are we good? Okay. Would you simply repeat? Pray this prayer after me. Ah, Dear Jesus, thank you for your love. Please forgive me. I am a sinner and I repent of my sin. Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart as my Lord and my Savior, as my Redeemer and friend. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Put my name in the book of life, forever and ever, in Jesus' name, amen.